you, I think people who read it will see that it's somewhat sarcastic in tone, that I'm not taking it all that seriously. If, if a player does some sort of goof or there's some sort of thing where it's like, well, do we really need the 60th Pat Connaughton plugging himself as a real estate mogul who's going to run the world or whatever, which he very well may. But, you know, I, I'm not above necessarily taking those things that are ostensibly outside of the court because this is just, I'm not going to recap the games here. I can go in and say, well, Pat Connaughton is out here. He bought this house and he's he's going to tear down this house. And there's a renovation group that's against that. And here's reasons why. And to me, that's more fun and kind of interesting in that you're getting a more holistic picture and as much as you can for these sort of pro athletes from our spot way in the crowd, way far away. But I, I think these articles, these sorts of discussions kind of bring us a little bit closer to who these guys might truly be. And maybe that's even totally fruitless task. Maybe I'll never actually get there, but that's kind of what I'm looking for. So my guest this afternoon, it's uh, seven, it's seven 11, seven 11 is July 11th, 2020. And uh, we're happy to have as a guest, Mr. Riley Feldman from brew hoop, you know, him from the Monday morning media roundup and many other articles that he's done through the years, you know, I'm on Twitter, you know, RileyFeldman.com. Riley, welcome to whatever this podcast is called. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here. It's, uh, I believe this is my first podcast appearance on anything that isn't the Brew Hoop podcast. No, I shouldn't say that, actually. I did have, back in the day when I wrote at Behind the Buck Pass, I did join Adam and Jordan for one podcast, one off, which uh, I like to imagine was a good warm-up for this one. So thanks for having me, though. I think uh, I've been off for a couple of weeks. The Brew Hoop podcast has been off for a couple of weeks, so it's, it's good to get back into the flow of things, have a little bit of a discussion here, and uh, hopefully not anger too many people with whatever I say today. See, uh, my research staff neglected to inform me that you were on Behind the Buck Pass, but I do kind of remember that now. I forgot about that part. So yeah, that's yeah, it's, cool. It, it's, an, it's an incestuous place, this Buck's blogosphere, if uh, you, you start digging beneath the surface. For, <laughs> yes, <laughs> all the DMs yes. start coming out and you're like, huh, okay, what's up with all this? We're all different sites, but we're all together. What's going on? So yeah, I, I got my start over there and now I'm over at Brew Hoop and obviously doing the podcast with Adam and Kyle and... Uh, making upsetting people on Twitter, I guess, or however you want to say it. So it's a, but still oh, yeah. a pleasure to be here. Yes. Awesome. So let's get back to that. Let's get back to that. Cause I want, I, I want your honest thoughts here. My association with, um, brew hoop, uh, through the years, I think I discovered brew hoop and basketball around the same time when, because five, six, seven, seven years ago, occasionally after a big Packer game, I would go on the Journal Sentinel. Journal Sentinel had comments, I think. Like, or, or, or was, were you familiar with this? Yeah, I know there was the JS comments section Twitter page. So I, I believe there was like a miasma where there was the JS online comment section and then there was ESPN forums, I think, maybe. Or maybe I'm off on right, that. But I believe that was. Right. That was the pre-real GM, pre-brew hoop, pre-basketball. I believe that is where everybody kind of congregated online. If I do believe so, yeah, I don't, I don't, at some, I don't remember at any point being aware. Um, it just at some point I was aware that uh, basketball and brew hoop were were like these two things. So you mentioned you mentioned before about you know kind of quote unquote haters or whatever else. At a certain point over the last year. I became aware that for whatever reason, a lot of people don't like you guys very much anymore. You guys are, are, are not as good as, as the Frank Madden days. You'll never live up to Frank Madden. Frank Madden's the GOAT, but you guys all... 
Like, what do you have to say to this? They're all right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I th- <laughs> no, I think I'm, I don't get upset about it. I think from my perspective, and I think if you asked the other guys on staff, and especially Mitchell and Adam, and we can kind of get into the structure of the place, but we collectively feel that responsibility. We know what Brew Hoop used to be, or at least the idea of what Brew Hoop used to be. And, you know, all credit to Frank for starting the page um, and Alex and everybody else who kind of came along with that early yeah. first wave of yeah. the site where they did something that was revolutionary, that which was starting something that was totally outside of, like you said, the JS comment section out of sight of ESPN. It was this, you know, it's organic thing that two guys or a couple of guys set up and they kind of provided something that was a little bit different in that they could give, again, the whole idea is like the fan perspective, but diving deeper, going into analytics in a way that necessarily wasn't being talked about in say local media, for example, around the bucks. And so it was this space where you had intelligent guys who were talking about the team who were still fans and, did a really good job of doing something completely different from what the rest of the discourse was doing. And so now I understand years later where we can kind of look back and we still see Frank out there with Lockdown Bucks, for example, who's still putting out a lot of great content. And he was with Eric, now he's with Kane. And, you know, the train kind of keeps rolling with him. And I think it's a testament to his ability as a writer and an analyst of the sport. But I, I think it's difficult for those outside of the sites and who aren't necessarily maybe thinking about the wider lens of things where the environments, the fan environment, the discourse environment, the tools to talk about the team that were available in, I don't even know when the sites started. I want to say it was late 2000s, maybe early 2010s. I mean, like Twitter was in its infancy. Um, having yeah, the ability yeah. to it, talking about the advanced stats in the way that say like a Zach Lowe or a Kevin O'Connor or whoever. I mean, there's a million guys out there who now specialize in talking about the stats and the per 36 and, you know, what's your defensive win shares and all those sorts of things. That wasn't in the conversation at the time. And now that we've reached a point where that, sort of conversation is ubiquitous and you can replace the need to have the comment section on those pages, the place where everybody can kind of congregate and talk about it. You can do that on Twitter. And now that Twitter has like a longer character limit, I mean, you can talk Mm -hmm. even more Mm -hmm. so and you can have these threads. And so I understand why people would say that the quality of brew hoop has dropped off. And I think, you know, it's difficult for me to say because I went back, you know, a couple months ago, I was like, let me just go back and see. And, you know, no offense to Frank or anybody, but there was still like posts where it was just kind of like your typical blog post where it was like, you know, 250, 300 words, just kind of a one-off like little newser. Um, and there were the analytical pieces in between, but I think there might've been an expectation of every single piece was a total hitter. Like it was the grant land of Buck's uh, disc fan discourse. And I, I'm not sure if it was necessarily that, but we can look back and, think nostalgically on a time before the internet is what it is now and say that was those were simpler times even though the team sucked you know at least we had each other and we had these guys who were really articulate and talking to ways that maybe uh you know like charles gardner maybe not was into the um like going diving deep into the rebound numbers and so there's this weird kind of cross purposes where the site isn't run by the same people it still has this kind of desire to 
stand up and hold up that tradition, but it's difficult to do given the resources, given given the um, the places where the conversation happens, the speed of the conversation, given the fact that I think you can maybe argue that the basketball IQ of your average fan, your average commenter has gone up because of the revolution in the fan site. So that's kind of, I understand where they're coming from. I don't take it personally. Um, I wish they wouldn't insult us on a personal basis. I mean, I, I'm not good with the numbers. That's just straight up. And that's nothing I've never really been good with. And that's not something that interests me. And that's a problem at a site like Group that built its name on looking at the numbers in a way that was organic and different from what everybody else was doing. So you've so said a, really a lot long there. Answer to say. I don't. I don't blame the. Yeah, I was gonna. I don't blame the haters. It's okay. I just <laughs> try to insult us a little bit less personally, please. Like said, yeah. The the personal the personal stuff is out of bounds. Um, I I do wonder as, as you were saying that it, it it occurred to me that I think just even the. I mean, you guys aren't primarily a highlights based site or, or anything like that. I do think though, there was kind of with my kind of uh, vague association with uh, behind the book pass or, or basketball or brew hoop or any of these sites that we were kind of reading, I think in the kind of, I don't want to say early days of the internet, but the mid days of the internet, there was a real desire for fans who are watching sports center to get bucks highlight, even, even sometimes on like channel four, six, 12, um, you know, there was a question of would there be Bucks highlights or how many highlights would there be? Would there be two? Would there be one? You know, how many highlights would they have? Would they have the really good dunk or would they just have the last shot? And so I think a lot of the game descriptions, there was still kind of a real uh, hunger in the market for someone to describe what happened on that those last couple of plays in the third quarter where the Bucks really lost the game. Because, of course, then we were talking far more about losses but to ha- have that kind of analysis of, and especially I think in the early brew hoop and bucks ball days, just the kind of gallows humor that came from, uh, you know, following this team that hoped to be 41 and 41. And that was something to aspire to that really, it, it'd be really hard to replicate this now on this weird kind of world where the bucks are both dominant, but don't have a championship or Giannis's name on the, dotted line so that we can all sort of relax. And so we're reading about a lot of different numbers of uh, associated with greatness, but then also, you know, we're not defending champions and there's this kind of sort above our heads. So there's kind of a lot going on, but I, I, it, it would be really hard to replicate that. We're all in this, we're all in this together rooting for this team. Aren't we a bunch? Because we were basically the Cubs, right? We're the lovable losers uh, rooting for this loser team that could, that, you know, had a series of, you know, terrible GMs and all this kind of stuff. And so it'd be really like, I think, so I'll, I'll you know, to be as, as neutral as positive as possible about this, I think you guys still do a, a really great job, but I, I thought that, you know, the kind of the toxicity of Twitter uh, trying to cancel you guys at some point was, you know, interesting. Yeah, I think, and I think you bring up a good point there where the difficulty in replicating it. I sit back sometimes and I wonder aloud to myself, what what do people want to read? It's you know, breaking up a little bit. Can you hear me? Oh. Yeah, you're kind of cutting in and out a little bit. Hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, can you hear me at all? Hey, hey, hold on a second. It's breaking up a second. Hold on, hold on a second. Okay, okay, hold on. 
like 10 feet away from the router, so I'm not sure if it's on my end or... I mean, this is not my home, so I'm not sure what to expect from the Wi-Fi necessarily. <laughs> keep going. It's great now. Just keep going. I don't know. It, it, it okay. started getting that tingy kind of... Burr, 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 like yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. sound. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. So, okay. So I think, you know, you bring up... When you bring up the idea of replicating it, I think one of the more difficult aspects or something that I kind of struggle with is what do people want to read that could be different from Brew Hoop? Because... I can only write about Giannis greatness in so many facets, which sounds strange coming from a fan of a team that wasn't that good, right? But I think when the expectation is to have daily content, you know, you can kind of go into these other players and kind of be like, well, here's here's Pat Connaughton's role, sort of. But really, in given the way the team is currently structured, especially with Budenholzer, regular season-wise, there's not a lot of variance in the way that the guys play. It's like, what we're comparing is does Sterling Brown suck more at shooting threes than Pat Connaughton? Yes, no. Mm -hmm. uh, Depending on that answer, then that kind of is what the analysis is. But like, given the success, given the fact that the team stylistically doesn't do a whole lot outside of its kind of parameters, it's difficult to figure out what's the angle we should write. And so you'll see guy, you know, articles from Mitchell or like from Andrew or Kyle, where it's a little bit off the wall, something that's, you know, maybe not necessarily related in a way that you would traditionally associate with analysis about, you know, some third topic or whatever. And then that kind of cuts against the grain of what people expect from Brew Hoop, where it's like, we're expecting this site to be sort of the stage, straightforward ant- analysis. Yes, you talked about how Giannis in 30 games has like the greatest point rebound and, you know, block total ever, but we need another yeah. one of those now that it's 31 games. And so it's it's hard to kind of find a way to where is that gap? What is it that needs to be written that hasn't by us, by other outlets on Twitter already been written, you know? So I think that's something that kind of drags on the site a little bit, not only trying to replicate what it used to function as previously, but trying to figure out what does it function as now? Not only our site, but the other blogs as well. I think if you asked any of the other guys at the other sites, it's kind of a similar situation that they're dealing with probably. One of the things, as you say that, that I I thought was, compelling uh last year and maybe you tell me whether whether last year was far more interesting than this year i mean obviously now with the bubble this is all this is a different type uncharted of uncharted waters <laughs> yeah yeah yes yes yeah brooke lopez is playing playing uh pinball or, or robin whichever one was you know now we're getting all these shots from the bubble and you know all this kind of stuff and people are playing bags and you know so that's yeah this is all uncharted territory now I, I thought what you guys did last year, and I think I included it, it, it was on the podcast, but it was on the, the site also. The early part of last year where the Bucks started out 7-1 and one or whatever it was and then had that 500 stretch, and there was a lot of real criticism of Brogdon based on kind of his splits, based on, you know, kind of his two-man splits and who he was playing with and all this kind of stuff, but it... it and and the eye test, I thought, kind of backed this up, especially the first half of the year where he's like, well, we have all these lineups that seem to be doing kind of better when Brogdon's not on the floor at the same time. Brogdon's numbers were so much better than Middleton's. And, you know, Bledsoe was playing like regular season Bledsoe at the time. And so there was a lot of really kind of interesting things to parse last year 
Uh, and that was even before kind of the Miritich kind of arms race that came with the Raptors getting Gasol and all all the things that transpired, at, you know, after the trade deadline. But I thought the first part of the season where the Bucks started out hot and then then had a bunch of bad losses or just seemed to kind of stagnate for a while. That 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 was Brew Hoop was a must read at that point, too. And I wonder if you felt like this last year before the bubble was as kind of boring as I seem to thought it was, uh, think it was. Oh, yeah. It was Dragon for me, especially. I think, I don't know what I've even really chalk it up to because part of it is me getting tired of the kind of way that people interact with one another on Twitter because, again, in between the games, when I'm not writing, when I'm not sitting at the site checking out the comments, you know, usually I'm over on Twitter, and it's just kind of like a vitriolic place in general. I think that can be said for mm-hmm. any number of topics, and so yeah, well, <laughs> I don't disagree that it is the worst. I mean, there can be there are high points, there are points where it's like this, this is an interesting you know, fold, but I think we're reaching a point on a lot of different things with Twitter, which we don't necessarily have to get into, where it makes it difficult to have good, like, constructive conversations. And so I thought this year was boring. Now, how much of that was the fact that the system now is being perfected and we can talk on and on and on about Mike Budenholzer. I mean, his system, it works. I mean, there's no no denying that. I mean, Mm -hmm. it it works with the pieces that he has. But because it works so well and because no other team has really found a way to solve it per se, there's not a lot to talk about game to game. Like if we're now in the situation, this is probably the first season since I became like a really a quote unquote diehard fan where I was like, Oh my God, can we get done with these 82 games just because to get something a little bit different, something with a little bit more stakes. And I think that was a feeling that was widespread. I'm sure a lot of people would admit, would not admit it necessarily because it's like, well, how yeah, can I, you... I admitted it. <laughs> I admit it. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm sure you paid the price for it for admitting it in front of everybody. Uh, there, I, I there, mean, there's no price to be there's no price to be paid. But we had you had these games where they start out and it's defy serve and they're down twelve to two, and it doesn't matter. And then you know at the end of the first quarter it's it's twenty five to eighteen and it still doesn't matter. And it's kind of lethargic. And yeah, they're gonna have like a seventeen to four run and everybody's gonna say that's okay. And then the crowd sort of gets into it. But they've watched so many threes that you're just kind of watching a three-point contest. And again, like I, 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 the, the Bucks being awesome is just the most one of the most incredible things I've witnessed as a sports fan. But there, there is kind of still this feeling of for people who've watched basketball a long time that boy, I hope this works in the playoffs because there's there's a little bit of that 2017, 2018 Rockets kind of stink to it. Uh, and it's just like, okay, so bring on the playoffs. Like the playoffs are the only thing that matters. And so like, you know, at, at a certain point it, it was quite clear that if no one got hurt, the bucks are going to have be a top four seed in the East. And, you know, I watched all the games, but it was just less satisfying basketball to me other than Giannis dominance, just less satisfying basketball. Yeah, I would agree wholeheartedly. And I think, what then that feeds into is the fact that everybody else, I think, largely understands that, right? Everybody can kind of understand on a game-to-game basis. The, the most interesting thing is when the other team is, like, shooting really hot and it's like, oh, well, this is going to be one of those games where it might be a little close because the Bulls went, you know, 12, 14 from three. It's like, okay, so all it, all it kind of boils down to is who makes the threes, which is kind of the, the NBA writ large, which is another problem uh, overall. Mm-hmm. But... I think the wider fan base acknowledges that, right? And so the only thing to really talk about 
that you could feasibly talk about would be like concerns about it, about the system being sort of rigid or Mike Boonholzer not adjusting, or maybe Chris Middleton, depending on if how you feel about him. Um, you know, maybe Giannis. Love I think him. I yeah, love well, him. Yeah. <laughs> He's so underrated. Yeah. Yeah. He's so yeah. underrated. Like top top five player. I, I don't I don't share the same feelings for Chris Middleton that you do. However, I totally respect any sort of perspective on it that's a little bit different than um, he People might be. People want to talk about Jason ever. Tatum. Like, I can't believe, bro, I can't believe you would want to compare him to Jason Tatum. <laughs> Didn't you see his numbers this year? It doesn't matter that Tatum's like like going to hit that third-year bump or whatever. No, yeah, of course. Everybody yeah, knows I, I'm kind of critical of Chris. Well, and I think the issue is because that's generally a forbidden topic and it doesn't make sense to like rag on Pat Connaughton because he's the eighth man. So I was like, well, what are we going to talk about? So then you have this staid feeling where there's not much to talk about. And the overriding feeling, at least that I feel personally, is like a little bit of a sense of panic because who knows what's going to happen with Giannis. And this could be like the only opportunity we necessarily have to be able to go out and win a championship. And so you just have 82 games of sitting around trying to pretend like you're not a little panicked that, you know, this looks very similar to last year, maybe a little bit more smooth, more fluid, but because it rhymes so much, even if there's slightly different players, it's like, okay, well, we saw how this turned out last year and you can analyze the, Raptor series seven ways to Sunday, but that still happened. Like the, you, you look back at the record, the, mm-hmm. the Raptors were the one who won. Like that's, that just happened and you can kind of analyze and figure out what, what went wrong. But because that happened and because we're seeing yeah. something that's very similar this year, it, there's probably like some sort of sense of at least a little bit concern, even if people don't want to talk about it and then combine that with people aren't necessarily nice on Twitter. Uh, the different like factions within the fan base itself on the, on the medium that kind of fight and bicker amongst one, each other, one another, because we have so much free time because none of the games actually matter. And so all of that combined right. to make this season immensely boring slash make me almost actively hostile to it. Cause I was like, why, why am I spending my time doing this? If we're just gonna, if it's just going to be awful online and there's not much to really talk about besides like Giannis is great, you know? And I, I think, for me, that's been a personal difficulty of trying to get excited. And, and so when, when COVID-19 hit, mm. you know, I, I wish it didn't, mm. obviously. And I wish that the season didn't come to an end. But there was a part of me that was like somewhat thankful, like, okay, well, thank God I have yeah. like a couple of month break or whatever to recollect and kind of reconnect with the team and get excited about it again. Because it, by the time the season came to an end, I was like, I just, I can't really take it anymore. I think too, there's kind of a... I don't care whether you're watching the double A, triple A prospects from the Brewers or the Packers fifth round draft pick. And the herd was like the herd becomes like this, too. There becomes a certain point where you realize that none of these guys who the team drafted in the second round or who, you know, Frank, like Frank Mason isn't going to be an NBA all star. Right. And so it's super fun following these like the, the jankier your team is, the more you can get excited about these kind of legendary bench guys that that for whatever reason you cared about, you know, but there's a certain level of ironic detachment that you can have from a 39 win team throughout the years where you're talking about, you know, Drew Gooden and Captain Jack and these guys <laughs> and, you know, yeah. and some, and, and that's kind of the thing, like, and, and, and it's, I, I probably shouldn't talk about Captain Jack just cause he's in the, in the news for kind of the whole, yeah, other I was thing. wondering when you're going to bring that up. And uh, now we're going into our next segment here. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for the transition. 
Right. Yeah. No, we're not. Yeah. We're not going to talk about it. <laughs> but like, like, so there are guys literally, and, and he's one of them, but like Richard Jefferson is another one. There are guys who came to the Bucks and stole money and the Bucks weren't a good enough organization that even as fans, we don't really care. And we kind of remember even these guys, we kind of remember all these guys like Monta Ellis, right? Couldn't, mm-hmm. c- couldn't yeah. wait to get out of town, all these guys. And we still like, and, and Jennings, like, I, I don't think it's been particularly well chronicled how kind of passive aggressive Jennings was uh, year three, year two and three or whatever else, when it seemed like he was almost going to be an all-star one of these years. And then it just like, he like started pouting or just, well, look, Brandon Jennings was never that good, but I mean, just the books aren't the Packers or, or, or some team mm-hmm. where we're like, you know, every year the every year the Packers don't, win a Super Bowl, there's a bunch of people who can tell you what what fullback fumble in this championship game was to blame or what drop pass was this or that. And we're the Bucks, and it's kind of like, I mean, I, I think I made one video about this uh, some years back about kind of all the people who ripped Milwaukee on the way out, you know, and uh, how that was mistakenly associated with my desire for the Bucks to keep Jabari Parker because, uh, you know, randomly he was the one guy who said he wanted to stay in Milwaukee, and I'll just take the L on that one. <laughs> but, but, but you know, like even the guys we love, right? Even Marcus and these guys we love, like Marcus forced his way out of Milwaukee, right? There's a reason like number eight wasn't retired. And I don't really, I wasn't aware of this really either until you kind of look it up. I think my dad kind of was vaguely aware of it. But like, yeah, Marcus, John, like, everybody pushes their way out of Milwaukee. Everybody pushes their way out of Milwaukee eventually. And so that becomes the big Giannis question. Is he going to be the one? I mean, Ray Allen didn't, but Ray Allen got traded. But you know, everybody else eventually is like, yeah, I'll be fine playing for the Hawks. Or, you know, if I, if I'm, if I'm the big dog and I'm not that good enough that I, you know, can demand to go to the Knicks or whatever else. A lot of players are like, let's try something else. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting, right? I think nobody, like you said, Ray would have been the last guy that had aspirations of like, we really want to keep this guy. And he's obviously likely franchise altering. I mean, with Giannis, obviously he's franchise altering. And so I don't know. It, it, and that's a tough topic to talk about too, because you don't want to be the same old Milwaukee Bucks fans where it's like you tap back into the, what was us? He's definitely going to leave. And to his credit, right. he said all the right things. And he, he seems to be pretty genuine in his like for Milwaukee, which seems uh, quite apart from a lot of other players who end up being forced here by draft or trade or, you know, taking the most money from us because Herb Cole was backing up the Brinks truck for him. And so I don't even know how to really discuss that except be, again, detached irony or kind of mocking of other people talking about it without still acknowledging the fact that it could happen because we have you know, over 60 years of history that says that uh, it, it happens over and over again. Like it happens all the time to this team. So the Jordan rules touched on this a little bit. Uh, well, didn't touch on it. It was, you know, a big chapter of it. But the James Jordan death really highlighted how different journalism and quote unquote media kind of you guys, not necessarily journalists, but like kind of the media, a big part of the media footprint surrounding the team. And I guess I could phrase this in a form of a question, but I mean, it's just occurring to me like, you know, you guys, I'm sure don't want to just be seen as just cheerleaders. And I'm not saying that you are, 
But at the same time, if everybody else is kind of doing photoshops of Giannis into the Golden State Warriors and everybody like kind of these high follower accounts are like getting their jokes off about, you know, that Wiggins is the piece to the Warriors and everybody laughs, you know, uh, you you know, Giannis, the new shoes come out and like the uh, Blue Wire pod guys for for Golden State are like asking how those shoes are going to match Golden State's colors next year or the year after that and all this kind of stuff. And so you talked about factions. It really does kind of become even for me, there does, you know, I'm kind of a a neutral third party, you know, like I try to be aside from this kind of stuff. But if we're not taking shots at these guys, then it's kind of it becomes like this kind of public thing where it's like, yeah, you're you're media. But at the same time, we all have to kind of because Twitter is public. It's like, well, somebody has to show the love, you know, if Bucks fans aren't going to show the love. And that's why I think everyone has been so defensive about the steel Giannis thing is because it's, it, it's public and it's everywhere and it's pervasive and it becomes kind of a, what are you going to do? Just, just take it or are you going to fight back or, you know? And so I think the, um, the kind of fake NBC sports account mm-hmm. thing. Yep. Shout out to that. I don't account. Think Shout I, out to whoever came up with that. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like they stole my joke, but I was probably stealing somebody else's joke. But I mean, it was kind of a joke that everybody was kind of making. You know, everybody was mm-hmm. doing sources say this and whoever. Are, are we sure that's not Nihilus Bucks? That, that uh, seems like I, a, I don't know who it is, but that that does seem somewhat within their profile, given the the, uh, the empire that they've built up of fake Twitter accounts at this point. There, There's only he's like the Barry McCockney or version you know guy of bucks I, there's really only been one guy who has taken it to that levels as far as the meme stuff i mean this is embarrassing to say but after a while different accounts feel a certain kind of way mm-hmm. and that doesn't fe- that doesn't feel you know what i mean that doesn't feel like justin Superbuck. that doesn't feel like other people i won't name that feels like that uh-huh. guy uh know. yeah there's a possibility and i, I think your point about having to be the fan base and you know it's difficult are we media are we fans we're kind of like this weird mix of both of them and so i think for me personally and i think it probably maybe reflects a little bit more the personality of the site to to again be like you know bring up these guys as if they are vultures to characterize them or make them into cartoons of like your typical uh carrion eater where it's like we're just going to come around and swoop up Giannis and and for me personally that's (laughs) that's enough of defense I I think Mm -hmm. Giannis can do his own talking and so I I thought it was beautiful what the NBC uh Bucks account did and what other people do with their different um you know, photoshops of like, I don't know, Jason Tatum or Steph Curry or, you know, name whatever player and then putting them in a Bucks uniform. I think they all do very valuable service for this fan base and I salute them for putting in the work. But unfortunately, my, my weapon are words and I don't feel like uh, go, yeah. going out and using the Twitter account necessarily. And that's just my, my own personal things. So that's why I don't get into it too much, though you know, whatever, doing the occasional sources, you know, fake sources and the saying, you know, Giannis loves hot tubs. And so he's going to go to Golden States via trade or whatever. Like, you know, that's a little fun every once in a while. Right. And it's interesting. I mean, obviously, this is mirrored by kind of everything that's happening in politics right now. But there's this very real question. And again, when I did, man, when I listened to that lad pot, uh, the last podcast, I I apologize. I really didn't want to do 20 minutes on Bill Simmons. But I, I, I do think the interesting thing about 
Because Simmons famously, I mean, kind of the biggest thing he did was kind of get fired or not get renewed in association with him ripping Goodell. And there's this kind of thing that's everywhere in, in, in kind of media, not just Twitter, but just kind of this idea of, well, do the TNT guys love basketball? And there's this kind of this whole thing. And I, I tend to reject it just because it always seems to be coming from like Rockets fans or just kind of Maury Ball yeah. fans or that kind of thing. But there's this very real idea. And it's a fair question. Does Paul Pierce love modern basketball? And should Paul Pierce be made to... Does Kendrick Perkins or any of the, and then there's the kind of these other clutch kind of actors who are like kind of going over the board, you know, this kind of weaponized crew of, of LeBron James fans or clutch guys who are going to, uh, you know, take ridiculous positions on behalf of this other entity. Again, back to factions, right? But there's this really real question about should you have a spot on ESPN or on TNT if you're not going to advocate for the state of the game or should you just call a bad game or, or a bad player a bad player and so that also kind of blends into the, all these other things we're talking about where it's like well if no one's st- if no one's sticking up for the bucks i guess it's my job to stick up for the bucks you know and so i, I can understand i mean it, with you guys or you know eric name or kind of these other guys i can imagine that's kind of a tough tightrope to walk as far as trying to be critical because it's more interesting and then also you know Wanting wanting to have people give you clicks and and read your articles and listen to your very good podcasts and all these other things. Yeah, and I think what's what's different too for a lot of these guys when you start going to the ESPN or even Eric and um, Matt because they're with the team on a day to day basis. I mean, I'm I'm sure if there was something critical, I mean, I'm sure they have no problems writing critical articles or trying to do that but because they're with the guys day to day and they have to build a relationship with the players to do their jobs i think they kind of then have covered the aspect of not standing for the bucks that's obviously it would be a disrespectful to them what they do but kind of doing more so where you're looking at more positive aspects of what the team is doing um and it's easy to do around this sort of team because of how much success they're having and really the challenge for them is probably even worse for them than it is for us because they have to be paid for their job to come up with unique takes and figure out. But then on top of that, because they're working with the players, they have to then kind of do a little bit more positive coverage. They have to, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can't really burn a bridge necessarily. And so because they might have that covered, I think at least for me personally, I look at it and say, well, then maybe there's room for criticism. And for me as a fan, I mean, I'd probably be critical of whatever the team, whatever the situation was, whoever the owners were, whoever the coach was like it, it being a loyal fan in that regard is not something that's important to me personally. Um, And I think that whether that puts me into the kind of camp, like you said, of like, well, does he even like basketball? Does he even like this team? Why is he even talking about it if he doesn't like it? You know, it's not that I dislike it all the time. I just think that there is room to be the curmudgeon. Somebody would say, some people might say that it's like, oh, well, he's just being a troll, which maybe they're correct. I I don't know. That's probably, Mm -hmm. you know, definition wise, maybe that's correct. But I think there's room for that in our corner of the internet because there are other actors already in place. And because we're such a small fan base, because we occupy this little tiny corner of the internet, even though we have the best player in the world, that hasn't changed at all. And so I think that makes it even doubly difficult because who is going to advocate for the Bucks? And even if we, the Twitterati, advocate advocate for him, who are we advocating to? The other like 
you know, very online fan bases, like how much does it matter? And so that kind of brings me full circle where I sometimes get disillusioned because there's the seriousness that comes along with basketball discussions. And I don't, I don't, you know, begrudge anybody who takes this seriously in in good faith and is, it has a healthy relationship with it talking about sports. But for me, sometimes it, it's the triviality of it kind of jumps forward in my mind. And so when we get into these things, we're starting to breaking down, you know, well, does Paul Pierce like basketball and kind of that being a topic or, you know, whatever kind of side topic you want to go off of. I sometimes roll my eyes at that a little bit just because, you know, at the end of the day, this is, you know, just a thing that I'm sort of a fan of. And so because I have that sort of detachment to it where I, I could take it or leave it for the most part, that kind of bleeds mm-hmm. into this lack of desire for me personally to go out and, you know, really push the bucks and fight all these, you know, the Houston Rockets fans. Unless of course they're being super egregious, in which case I'm happy to jump into the dog piling that happens. But that's not something that's ever spoken to me or that I really want to necessarily start because it's not interesting per se for for what I want to do on Twitter, the connection that I want to have with the team. So how long have you done the Monday morning wrap up? That's a good question. I want to say it's probably been two full seasons, two and a half seasons. I think I started it like halfway through like a January, maybe January 2018, I want to say. Because the reason I asked is because I can't imagine. Like it's the craziest thing, and I find myself and almost scrolling through. There are certain months where the Bucks are 10 and one. And there's so much positive. Like, I can't imagine a world like the 2014 version or the 2006 version of me. I can't imagine a world where there's too many positive Bucks dominant articles. And we're literally you're scrolling by, OK, the ringer are the Bucks, the best team, whatever. And then this this, you know, CBS Sports, is it is it this? And, and after a while, it's like, wow, there's just too much positive Bucks coverage. Now, of course, on the other hand, there's the kind of vulture you know, the Giannis is leaving kind of, kind of, um, clicks, but yeah, I like literally there's some, there were some months there, there's some Monday mornings where it's like the first six of them are, are like the dominant bucks. Here's, here's five things you don't know about the bucks, you know? And it's just like, yeah, 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 we got it. You know, but maybe mm-hmm. you, maybe you look at it differently. I don't know. I think it's, I do look at it the same way, but that makes the challenge even more so to find something that's a little more off the wall because and I think it also speaks to my different kind of perspective as a fan insofar as I came to become a fan of this team way later. I mean, like you are, I mean, a lot of older fans or fans who have followed the team from like the eighties through the nineties, two thousands. I started following the team in like the aftermath of the fear of the deer season. And even then I didn't really start following until the 2012, 2013 season. And so for me, I don't have the baggage of being like this team. I acknowledge, I know logically that the team was awful for a long, long time with a couple of highlights here or there, at least for two decades, two plus decades. And so I tire of the, um, the, the praise over and over again. And I don't shy away then from seeing something that's interesting where somebody's criticizing them or, you know, there's, there's a reason to be concerned. I don't necessarily think that that is something we should avoid because I don't know. It's difficult because I don't want the Monday morning media roundup to fall into that trap of again, being just positive coverage. And that's difficult to find articles, which is why I'll find like, you know, like 
greekaegeannews.au.com.net. And I'm like, okay, well, I mean, obviously everybody's computer is going to get a virus from this, but at least it's a somewhat interesting, (laughs) different perspective, possibly on a different topic. And so um, I I think maybe there are those who have waited a long time and would prefer to just have the positive articles, but I'm not sure if that's necessarily valuable for everyone. And again, I'm not sure if that's necessarily giving a full holistic view of this team um, that, yeah, you don't have to look for it necessarily if you don't want to, but it is out there if you're looking for some negative or some more critical pieces, I guess, which is what I'm always kind of looking for personally. Well, it's just ba- I would imagine at least it's just it's just balance because I, I don't know what percentage of brew hoop I, I would assume brew hoop um, subscribers uh, visitors uh, would be kind of the diehards still, but there's kind of this whole idea about what percentage of sports fans are interested in the actual games versus the soap opera and kind of what's taking place on Instagram or who's getting caught up doing this, that, or the other thing, or who's, you know, I mean, or, or just, you know, the zoom freaks are out and let's talk about this. Or like there was that whole, you remember that whole, that whole point where it seemed like Giannis was going to go to Adidas for a while and Adidas sent him a bunch of shoes or, or something like that. And, you know, like yeah, th- yeah. there's all this, there's all these things that we're kind of aware of around um, around the margins or around the fringes that for a lot of I, I don't know what percentage, but it, I would say like seemingly 20 percent of sports fans or, or or at least basketball Twitter fans are more interested in that kind of stuff than than the actual games. Well, and I think bringing up and I'm impressed you went for since you hit record when 17 minutes in without having to bring up Twitter so far. But I think that is also a very interesting fold to being a fan in the year 2020 because we do on Brew Hoop, we do our game threads and everything, but I think everybody can acknowledge that for good or for ill, a lot of the conversation that's happening, especially game to game, like in the game itself, it, it's tough to beat Twitter. Like it's a, it's a live stream of comments that people that you can choose to follow and you'll have other commentary from people that you follow that they'll retweet onto your timeline. And so it, it has this organic immediate response that something like the brew hoops comment section doesn't have. And so a lot of people migrate over there and yes, we still have all the hardcore fans and you'll see, if you go into a lot of the articles, you'll see, you know, guys like old resorter who's now on Twitter as well, but you'll see like retired janitor mm-hmm. R983. You'll see a lot of the common names and they'll yep. put in yep. these like giant paragraph story, like comments talking about specific X's and O's looking into that sort of stuff. And so you have to find a way to continue to cater to that audience. But so many people are online on the Twitter aspect and how many people are, that are on Twitter who mainly use that as their way of getting NBA news and kind of keeping up with league that then go into brew hoop. I don't know what that crossover is like. I don't know what that Venn, Venn diagram looks like, but I think that's another issue that maybe the site doesn't have, but it can be difficult for a site like brew hoop to try and thread that needle between wanting to stay to our roots where it's analytical. It's trying to slow things down. It's trying to take a wider perspective. And yet so much of the engagement, so much of the traffic, so much of the conversation happens on Twitter. And as you can attest, as I can attest, as everybody can attest, the, uh, the etiquettes, the vocabulary, the, um, Mm -hmm. the topics of discussion that it's just totally, it's a whole nother world. And how do you kind of reside, have a foot in both those worlds in a way that's competent or makes sense for the site itself? Well, I can imagine for you guys too, that it's, 
I would say Brew Hoop as a name still opens doors in this town. It it would seem. I mean, I I think it's the you know like if you listen to Simmons and they're the, the, you know piston powered or whatever kind of these other blogs like when they talk like you guys. I mean, I I think I'm correct in saying you guys are the number one blog if you, if you want to or, or a site right. I mean, would, would you say that you're the number one site associated with the books right now? I really wouldn't know. If I want to be braggadocious, yes, obviously, of course. Uh, no, I, I think still we're we're still probably quote unquote the number one. We got the name brand recognition thanks to all the years that Frank put in. So uh, we we do, and I think that that kind of comes with the baggage of its own type. But yes, I would say it, not to be bragging or anything like that because guys, you know, like the guys at Behind the Buck Pass or Cream City Central do their own sort of thing. Like they they all have their own valuable niches and way that they go about tackling but i would agree that we're probably still quote unquote number one if that matters at all the internet parlance cream city central is still around huh maybe i i mean i I don't don't follow them but i feel like it's appropriate for blog blog people to (laughs) maybe you blocked them yeah i I think it's appropriate for blog people to shout at other blog people i don't know if people shout at my column but you know no, I do think when Simmons did the kind of aggregators bit where they say something and be like, the ag- you know, the aggregators are saying that this means, you know, whatever it is, that this isn't a story, aggregators or whatever. And I, I feel like he shouted out Brew Hoop or Mitchell retweeted something and, and, and did did the exact same thing. Is that what it was? Like Mitchell retweeted like he did. Yeah, a, yeah, a yeah, segment yeah. Of, of Simmons dialogue. You tell me if you remember. I'm just vaguely remembering this. I remember I was actually sitting at my wonderful desk at work and sitting around listening to Simmons and I think it was Ryan Rosillo and they were talking about, I don't know, it was just the usual, like you said, aggregators do this. You know, if I say something about Chris Middleton, then Brew Hoop's going to have an article up about it. Like Bill Simmons thinks X, Y, Z. And I immediately went to the group chat. I was like, hey, we just got a shout out on uh, Bill Simmons podcast. I, it wasn't like yeah. a shout out in traditional sense, but uh, we did get mentioned. So yes, if you want to measure resonance, cultural resonance in terms of Bill Simmons shout outs, we're definitely <laughs> number one in the space so far. Right. No, no, I, I vaguely remember that. Or I remember seeing the the retweet or whatever. So I want to ask this and you can choose not to answer this if you don't want to. But just because when you were saying that, it, it reminded me because to me, this idea has now found itself in the dialogue surrounding the bubble. So let's we, we've gone a little bit, Riley. I want to ask you about the bubble because there is this because, of course, again, it's sports, right? So it's not real life. There's the infrastructure and there's financial considerations to this business that we love to follow so much in these uh, series of businesses that are sports. But there's been a very real, again, these kind of um, ethical questions have arisen surrounding the bubble with seemingly a lot of journalists not wanting the bubble to take place. I feel like this was a little bit more prevalent a week ago. And but even even, you know, there's I think the first player who gets COVID in the bubble, there'll be kind of another chorus of people saying, well, they should just cancel this. This is a farce. They should just end this before someone get you know dies. At the same time, you know this kind of ties into this idea of of you know are you rooting for the team or are you rooting what's right? So you can take a stand on this one way or another. But how are you feeling? I should ask it like this: How are you feeling about the bubble right now? Are you optimistic about the bubble that they're going to be able to pull it off? That's a that's maybe not a loaded question. That that's an interesting question. I'm not sure how I feel about the bubble. That's kind of changed on a week to week basis. I think when the pandemic and I, I think I totally 
will we'll want to honor and understand the desire to keep politics and everything out of it. Um, and I think that can be somewhat difficult with this sort of situation as I think everybody who yes. has any sort of sense would understand. But I think a couple of weeks ago or when they first started it, kind of rolling it out and you had this drumbeat of bad news going on in the background, I had kind of fallen into the camp where you'll hear some people talk about it where it's like sports are meant for functional societies. And it, when we were really in the thick of things, and some may argue that we are still in the thick things, however you want to take that, when when things were really kind of rolling out, you know, in the immediate aftermath of the cancellation of the season, and then, you know, a month or two after, I was like, this seems, again, I, I fell back into that triviality where I was like, this is, this is trivial. Um, this really isn't all that important. I understand the money's at stake, but I think just health-wise, it would make more sense to not do this overall. And so... That was my initial position. And I think now that the teams are there and now that uh, players are poking fun at their accommodations and at the food that they're given, um, I I still kind of grapple with it because I've come to the point where I accept it. I'm okay with it. I think the NBA is doing everything they can to put in the rules in place to minimize the chances of it. And then it falls back into, can I trust these men to be adults about the situation. And I'm not sure if I can, right? Like, and I think, I think that's, that's, I don't want to be critical of the guys because I mean, they're for the most part, like dudes in their twenties or thirties who make a lot of money and kind of have reached the apex of their chosen career that they've worked all these years for. And so, Again, I don't begrudge them that or I don't begrudge the things that they expect or, you know, kind of the the rules that they might be more used to flaunting. But I'm concerned because it feels like the NBA has the rules in place. And if everybody follows it, you, I think the nitpicky part is, part is whether or not the Disney employees should stay there or not. And we can talk about that if you want. But I think the structure's in place, right? But I'm not sure if I can trust these players because these guys are just dudes at the end of the day who make a lot more money than us, but that's what they are. And we've seen in different places around the world, in the U.S., wherever, that there are average citizens who may or may not want to follow along with the rules that are set, agree or disagree with them. And if you don't agree with those rules and you're like, well, I'm used to doing whatever I want, I'll just leave the bubble or you know, do this somewhat risky thing that's against the procedure, that's a real possibility. And that's what makes me a little reticent about it is there's a possibility that they could pull it off. I'm just not sure if I can trust these guys to be adults about it. And if I can't trust them to be adults about it, why are we there at all? It's kind of where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, Adam Silver is running things, so... You know, although you may be a bigger, a bigger fan of Adams, but no, very well said, very well said. Uh, and that that's the whole question. Right. I also think we've been sort of I haven't, but we've been sort of conditioned to. So think about Draymond. Right. And not just Draymond Green, but just kind of the idea of Draymond Green, like the Warriors aren't going to, you know, go anywhere. But. We've been conditioned for kind of so long with Draymond and Harden and these kind of guys to be like, well, this guy's flopping. This guy didn't get hit, but he's falling on the ground. And and but hey, it's smart. And kind of anything that can be done is smart, right? 
So any little mm-hmm. bit of flopping, you know, it's, it's gamesmanship, right? It's brinkmanship. And it kind of, as I said before, like it, as long as that's being done by a player who's kind of a borderline all-star, but like Reggie Miller, there's, there's kind of a great little bit of theater to it. You know, when it's James Harden and he's like definitely a top eight player, usually like kind of a top four player, then it be kind of becomes this thing of, dude, this is not in the best interest of the game. You carrying on like this, you know, and the worst thing that can happen in the bubble is somebody dying. So, but let's put that aside, right? So, so we don't have to do all these disclaimers. The worst thing that could happen is somebody dying, and especially if it's one of these coaches or one of these officials. If yep. you put that aside, from a competitive, who wins the bubble for how you know competitive balance uh, discourse, I just can't think of anything worse than one of the stars getting COVID in the third round of the finals. Yep, and. And are we going to have cough gate where, cause again, this started, not that this started cause Rudy Gobert ultimately had nothing to do with anything, right? Everything would have taken place exactly the same way, whether Rudy Gobert touched some microphones or not, but yep. the kind of the idea that this was just a joke, how, how long until, you know, it, it's still the playoffs, right? So presumably there'll still be kind of dust ups. There'll still be guys getting in each other's face. There'll be all this kind of stuff. Will we have a first take? On a Monday morning after a uh, you know divisional playoff round where where somebody coughed you know somebody coughed in somebody's face or, or spit in someone's face or did all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff and, and, and then we have a forty eight hour news cycle of talking about well you know this player could have killed the other player because blah 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 which again seems like such a farce a farce when they're playing full court contact basketball on the highest level some of the sweatiest dudes in the world it, it's yeah. it, that's the point where it starts to seem a little bit like the precautions and the distancing starts to seem like theater and not really an effective thing but at the same time all these guys are in their 20s and 30s so we'll see but yeah i just want to see what you're thinking about the bubble because it's i can certainly argue both ways of it yeah well let me let me ask you this let me turn the tables on you do you feel that whoever this is this is like the first take topic right that everybody likes to talk about do you feel like obviously it doesn't feel like your typical playoffs you know that's that aside do you think whoever comes out of this would be a legitimate champion or is it kind of a depends on the circumstances i know we have to wait to see if somebody gets it and they have to quarantine them or whatever Mm -hmm. um but what's your perspective going in do you feel and maybe it'll be different once we actually are playing games the stakes are the same because i vacillate whether or not this just kind of feels like a an off season tournament that they're just doing. Like we're just hanging out in Orlando versus this is legitimate stakes are involved. Whatever happens here is going to write the history of some team or another in one way. Mm-hmm. And it could write the history of the bucks in some sort of, uh, you know, pretty decisive way. If the bucks are the Clippers, the Lakers win. it's legitimate. And from a national perspective, if the Celtics, somehow when that'll be viewed as legitimate Philly's the East coast market. If Philly somehow makes the finals, if it's either the bucks, the best team in the league or one of these. So the bucks and the Clippers are the teams without the great history nationally. Yeah. And then yeah. the Celt- and then the Celtics, the Celtics, the Sixers and the Lakers are kind of legacy brands. They'll be fine. But again, like it, this is kind of what I mean about kind of Graymon level shenanigans. If there's a bunch of shenanigans associated with this, because that's kind of the thing too. Like now the bubble is basically just this reality show, 
you yep. know, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's already like, it's <laughs> it's been so much on Twitter, whether it be like the, the reaction to the players reacting to the food, uh, the Lopez is being out there, like showing the different areas that are around the resorts. Where, yes, I, I totally agree that it's fed into and become like its own. It, it's perfect, right? This is the NBA in 2020 is like it has already resonance. It has these, these storylines off the court of like we're in the bubble and it's become like <laughs> this interesting mm-hmm. fold that might dominate anything that actually happens on the court. They should really have whoever the producer is with probes for Survivor. They should really just make it a TV show because there's already teams <laughs> getting eliminated. But like the combination of like you take the best of everything you take. Who's, who's the Survivor producer? Whoever that guy is. He did like Amazing Race and all this stuff, too, because it, it, it essentially is these teams are going to show up and like kind of practice and kind of play these scrimmages and games. But then, you know, there's all these food concerns but they're also in these hotels next to each other. And it's like, well, what agent is talking to who, who's doing what? Mm-hmm. And yeah. for, for those who are more interested in the things surrounding the game than actual, than the actual game. But I mean, myself also, I'm su- once games are going on, this will be super interesting. And if Giannis, again, if Giannis ha- was able to sign and was already signed, I- I'd be a lot looser about my concern of all of this, but it just seems, it, it seems sketchy. The other, I do think though, like if you've watched Olympic games, you, you know, Olympic games are kind of FIBA games. Like that's to me, I don't know that we'll necessarily notice that there are no fans. Um, but I could be wrong to me that all those, just something about the way those games are shot always seems like it's an empty arena. You know, when you watch like the dream team kind of stuff, but yeah, I, I guess this is just the new normal. I mean, it's really super weird that baseball isn't back by now. But we're, we're going to see. I, I think if the Bucks win the title, Bucks fans will take it and be super happy, especially if look, if the Bucks if the Bucks show up and it's the Bucks Lakers and now it's it's LeBron James and it's Anthony Davis versus Giannis and well, nobody else, because Chris Middleton compared to Anthony. You can Davis say Pat Connaughton. You can say Pat Connaughton. It's fine. No, no, it's fine. No, no. Um, all NBA second team, Chris Middleton. Like, it, then that's a legitimate. That's a legitimate title. And and frankly, yeah. like if I wasn't a, if I wasn't born, you know, from Milwaukee. If the Lakers play the Clippers, the league has done their job. Because yeah. LeBron, LeBron, and that squad versus Kawhi and Paul George is, is is what you want. Because the finals, the finals isn't isn't when the last two teams play. The finals is when the two best teams play. To me. So like that year was Warriors Rockets. That was like the real finals. Like that's fine. So I think the league needs one marquee matchup to go off and feel like a marquee matchup and they'll feel like they salvaged something from it. If not, you know, we'll see. But it's again, it's hard to get excited about it until it's here. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I think your earlier point as well about it being, I never really considered it that way, which maybe that speaks to my uh, naivete, but the idea that a lot of these rules, now that the guys are in the bubble, the sort of like covering for the PR of trying to restart this again, depending on your personal point of view, whether or not you agree or disagree, like if this is something that you're starting, but, but I didn't even really consider. And I think it's interesting to kind of view everything and say, look at all this, this 115 page rule book. Look at all these as the, the cover for the league trying to get back together. And now that they're in the bubble, how much does it really actually matter? Because they're all just kind of hanging out in this hermetically sealed, whatever, like, you know, (laughs) this area, these hotels. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, for now, that's going to be something that 
kind of continues to dominate the conversation because we're still, I mean, whatever, it's July 11th. We're still weeks away from things actually starting again. And so maybe that'll be something that we're going to see, like, there'll be news about, oh, JaVale McGee. I don't even know if he's in the bubble, but like JaVale McGee <laughs> broke the rules. And there'll be like a, a discussion about that and whether or not, again, the NBA should be going forward with this. But, you know, I thought, I think that's a pretty interesting point to look at it as this is all kind of a big PR you know, project yeah. to make them seem less bad that they're doing this to whoever would think that this is bad, that they might be doing this. I don't know. Because the, the thing though, too, just keeping it, and I'm not taking any political stand here, but the thing that you have to really understand keeping it 100, 100 is that the NBA in particular and sports in general operate on multiple levels. And there's a level that the kiddies should look at sports as kind of these moralizing lessons. You learn about teamwork and playing hard and uh, working to achieve a goal and all, all that kind of stuff, right? That's the level you'd hope that 10 year olds view sports. And yeah. I still look at sports, for, you know, mostly. And then there's the other level of, of whose Instagram girlfriend is with who's other person and all this other kind of stuff that, that certain people like that's all they're interested in. And they're really interested in it no differently than like what's Kanye doing. And that if Adam silver was a better commissioner, I think he'd be very wary of letting us see everything that goes on in this kind of area. Like it's all, it's all cute. And, and you know, you got kind of sympathetic reporters and all this kind of stuff like that, but you want to keep some of that stuff kind of separate because I don't think I don't think those jokes will necessarily hold up to scrutiny like th this it's fine to have some of those jokes for some of us but th to just open up the entire bubble and everything that's taking place in this bubble it'd be no different than the Olympic Village or anything else like that I don't know that he yeah. wants everybody to really see that but you know maybe it'll be okay maybe we're just gonna be so starved for sports that this will be the new normal but I, I I'd be very judicious about because that's the other thing too like do you remember there was this point this was like 10 years ago when like Woj was still breaking stories but for whatever reason 10 years ago just decided to bury LeBron James on the dream team mm -hmm. and talk yep. about how everybody said he, he was a baby and this I don't even remember what the nature of it was but just you know just kind of needed to grow up a little bit like you don't need to see all that like like when like there's a story at either halftime or the end of the third quarter of whatever the game seven that the uh, Cavs ended up winning and whoever wrote the, P the, the the Cavs title and whoever wrote the piece was talking about how LeBron was just like kind of having a meltdown in the locker room and like, the, you know, and yelling at uh, Ty Lue and all this kind of stuff. And it's like they won the title, but there's certain stuff you just kind of don't want out. You know, if you can help it, like it, it's interesting. Yeah. It's really fascinating. But like some stuff just like like so when Giannis – and uh, what's his name? His buddy coach uh, oh, almost got um, into a fight on the bench. Yeah, I can see his face. Brog Hammer, or was it? Yeah, Brog Hammer. Brog, was it? Jo is yeah, it Josh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it Brog Hammer? Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah, if that's one of them, somebody. <laughs> if that's him, right? Don't you want to know what what caused that? Right? Like, I would yeah. want to know what caused that, but at the same time, you don't really want that out, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you could already. T you could already tell that he was saying, I'm going to kill you or whatever, but it was just, you know, so that's, that's kind of the, that's the line that the, the NBA is the most urban league. It's the coolest league. Um, and it, so all these things are kind of like uh, the special sauce for a lot of us. It really hits that sweet spot. 
in a way that even the NBA and even the NFL doesn't. But at the same time, they need to be really careful with how much of that stuff gets out for public consumption because it makes people look bad. You know, yeah. like it's a hilarious story if it's in a book and somebody writes a book about the season and it's oh this and that and whatever else. And it becomes kind of part of these these series of colorful characters. But to just yeah. have it all kind of dumped out so everybody can disseminate it on Twitter is maybe not the best thing. Yeah. And uh, oh, sorry, one more thing. I, and I think kind of following on, on to all that, I, I think we've seen it happen with so many stories over and over again. And I, I do wonder you're just one J.R. Smith throwing soup at a coach away from the league becoming like shifting fully and being pushed fully into the like gossip league and whether or not that's Mm -hmm. real. I question how much people caring about that stuff is real, but the amount of times that ESPN talks about it. And since they're like the dominator of conversation, I think, you know, I agree that there are parts of this where if you can clamp down, that'd be great. If only because again, one way or another, depending on how you feel about things, there's a lot of hardship out there, even more so than usual. And so if it's it's one thing if everybody's doing relatively okay and you have this sort of these sort of subplots going on and whatever drama within the team. But I think there's probably less tolerance for it now. And I think that's a this an interesting challenge for the league to try and unique to them, unique to the time that they're the most yeah. open league in that they have these guys who have so much compared to a lot of people who might not have as much. And usually that's an okay balance because there's enough drama and enough frivolity to it. Whereas this specific iteration lacks that in a lot of ways. And so I'm curious to see how the league kind of handles that, whether or not they're able to do it successfully. I think they have a chance to, but again, it comes down to, can these guys for two months be adults? Can they do that? And that's, that's something to keep an eye on. I'm not sure if they'll be able to do it, but I'm, I'm happy to watch and see if they can. And that's not even the J.R. Smith viral thing that I'm thinking of. So, yeah, yeah, totally. I, that's I can it, it's they got They got to walk. They got to walk quite a line with this. So we'll see. So, Riley, we've kept you for, man, at least an hour. I want to thank you very much for being here. Uh, but before you go, first of all, do you, do you have anything else you'd like to talk about? Because I, I don't want to cut you off if you had if you, you you're you're gaining steam. So I don't want to. I'm going to look at my, let me check my notes out. I don't really think so off the top of my head. I think uh, I would love, now that I've done the kind of interview series with everybody else over at Brew Hoop, I'm, I'm curious and interested in being able to have other people kind of come on to the pod that are outside within the confines of the site itself. And so maybe, uh, you know, maybe any sort of questions for you personally, it's not, not appropriate to come onto somebody else's podcast and grill them about uh, their background, but um, you know, outside of all that stuff, I don't really have too much else to talk about. How about you? No, cool. Um, how are you on? Um, I was going to ask you about Jersey slogans, uh, but you cannot go there if you don't want to go there. Um, that's a good question. I don't. I don't begrudge, again. I'm using begrudge a lot on this because it's like a neutral term that doesn't get me in trouble one way or the other. This whole experiment has such a novelty to it that again can bleed into like ultra novelty where it becomes again this sort of so different that it has no real parallel that you can realistically connect it to other iterations in the past and so i'm indifferent for the most part not to the worries or the concerns that these guys have or the causes that they're trying to champion obviously but if they want to do it, great. If they don't want to, that's great as well. And I don't really, I'm not going to note which players did and did not and say, well, you know, that that 
is something to note and says something very deep about them and how much they care about these topics. And so I'm okay with it. I do worry a little bit that it might be, I don't know, divisive, not so much to fans, but maybe within the league. And that's something to kind of keep an eye on as well. It's like, oh, well, you know, this guy didn't do this phrase or, you know, we didn't like the phrases that the Players Association allowed to us. And so I think that's sort of a fraud. I understand what they're trying to do. I understand that they're trying to balance the concerns of the players who want to continue to advocate for social, social causes that are important to them. But that's a tough thing to do, given uh, the resources and the uh, platform that the league occupies. And so they want to go for it. I'm fine with it. Uh, If somebody doesn't want to go for it, I'm fine with it. Um, I don't think it takes away. I don't think it's going to become like an extra above the bubble story. But it's just, I don't know. It's fine by me, I guess. Okay. My only objection to it, again, is that I think it's not traditional and rinky-dink. And without saying anything about who is it? Kyle Korver is going to have black lives matter as his name, but LeBron James mm-hmm. isn't. So you got kind of all that kind of fun stuff, you know, which going on, but also, I mean, it's to me, it's, it's also like Redskins. It's like a lot of this stuff. It's like, well, it'd be good if they changed that at the same time. Can they not change the colors? Cause it's, it, I mean, the history of sports branding has kind of pretty much shown us. I mean, the Bucks have shown us this, that as soon as you start making changes, there'll be more changes coming. And so it's like you don't necessarily want to be fundamentally conservative about a lot of these things. But once you start messing with stuff, where does it end? And that kind of becomes yeah. the thing. But I, I, but but, you know, this, this the whole tournament's going to be weird. So maybe this would fit right in with the general aesthetic of weird apocalypse bubble tournament. So <laughs> Mr. Feldman. Um, real quickly, before we get you out of here, we have uh, something that I'm very proud to reveal. It's a patented new format. It's going to take the world of podcasting by storm, and it is called Rapid Fire. Now, the way Rapid Fire works, I'm sure you're not familiar <laughs> with this before. Yeah. I give questions, and Riley, okay, pay attention. You really got to get this. So I'm going to give the questions, and you need to give rapid answers. Are you able to do that? I think really what makes a rapid fire segment the best is when the answers to the rapid fire questions go on for 30 to 45 minutes. So I, I will try try to uh, not keep to that tradition, but I, I think I can keep so, up with it, yes. So there'll definitely be some sort of fast music in the back room and <laughs> yeah. some music in the background I'll put in later. So it's kind of uh, propulsive in that way, but we don't have that uh, running through our Zencaster right now. So just imagine. Okay, yes. Mr. Feldman, are you ready? I am ready. Let's go. Who is the biggest challenge to the Bucks in the East? Philly. Who is the most valuable player in the association this year? Giannis. Should the Milwaukee Bucks have a blue alternate uniform set? <laughs> no. <laughs> Should the Bucks reach the finals, which LA team would you rather play? Lakers. With the game on the line, do you trust Eric Bledsoe? Not at all. Not even a little bit. Please, please don't have Eric in the line, please. Should the Bucks have made a real effort to keep both Middleton and Brogdon? You know the answer to that. Come on. Why you gotta, why you gotta put me in a position I like do. that? Yes. I, I absolutely do know the answer. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Was- they should have tried. <laughs> You're messing up my radio voice. I'm trying to do it. <laughs> Sorry. Who Sorry. is the defensive? <laughs> Take two. Who is Defensive Player of the Year in the NBA? Well, the statistics would tell you that it might be... It's Giannis. I would say Giannis. Yeah. 
That is correct. If you were a player in the NBA, what number would you wear? 13. Will the Milwaukee Bucks win the championship this year? Mm, yes. <laughs> Maybe. I'd say I'd trend towards yes, but I have I have no idea what to expect. And I don't know what to expect based on previous history of the team in the playoffs. So I, I will say yes, but really on unsure ground. Let's try this again. There is a gun to your head. Will the Milwaukee Bucks win the championship this year? You have to be right. Yes. <laughs> and finally, and the most important question, with the game on the line, do you trust Chris Middleton? Well, it really depends. Did we just come off of like a 10-point 10 10 run that we're kind of feeling it? And <laughs> uh, no, I would say um, no, probably not. That is correct. And I wish I had a bell so I could be like the ding ding. If I had if I had everybody. You know what? We'll do that in post. That's fine. We'll do that in post production. Mr. Feldman, um, we'd like to thank you very much for being with us on Tetonia World Presents. You can check him out at brewhoop.com, at rileyfeldman.com. You can follow him at Twitter, at Riley Feldman for all sorts of good NBA uh, stuff. Uh, keep doing your thing on Brew Hoop. I do appreciate it. I think I've told this to Kyle before, but whenever one of my little videos shows up on Brew Hoop, I get a text from my dad who apparently checks Brew Hoop every morning like it's just the New York Times or something like that. And so he always <laughs> sees before me and he's like, oh, you made, basically like saying, oh, you made the front page. And that's, you know, so, so, so I do appreciate that. But yeah, man, thank you for all you do. No, thanks for thanks for having me on. Thanks for putting all together all those videos. Thanks for being a staunch proponent for different perspectives in uh, the worlds of Bucks Twitter and the fan base at large. Uh, I think you know, I think it's healthy to have different perspectives, uh, which <laughs> goes even for Chris Middleton, even if people uh, don't like to hear it. So I appreciate you having me on. Thanks for uh, everything you do, and it's my pleasure, Mister at uh, David Dunn Twenty One's dad, to have your son's videos on. So as long as he keeps up the good work, they'll keep showing up on the Monday Morning Media Roundup. All right, man. Thank you very much. 